0: This is Real Estate Journeys, episode 95. Welcome to Real Estate Journeys, here to help you build your cash-flowing real estate empire that you've been dreaming of. This is about real estate investors who have escaped the soul-crushing nine-to-five rat race by taking action, leveraging relationships, and gaining the financial independence. It's time to stop making excuses and get the insight and knowledge you need to become a successful real estate investor. This is your host, Matthew Baltzell. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Matty B, a.k.a. Matthew Baltzell. Welcome back to Real Estate Journeys. Guys, I'm excited for today's episode because today's guest is a free-spirited, fun-loving person who is a great real estate investor. Her name is Allie Boone. She's from Turn... Sorry, she is from Hipster Investments. She invests in the turnkey model for real estate. And I love her motto is she says... I don't want to work, right? But yet she's a real estate investor and she's crushing it and she's out there killing it. And one of her first properties she actually invested in was a little bungalow in Nicaragua. So she has a very funny story about that. So I think you guys really liked this episode. But before we jump into it, guys, I want to address a topic that's basically throughout the world, right? It's coronavirus. Um, I'm not gonna preach as far as coronavirus and real estate is concerned, but I just wanna let let everybody know. I hope everybody's doing okay. Right now, currently in Thailand, we are gonna be going on lockdown with uh, I believe tomorrow. Um, so things are getting real for a lot of Americans out there, people over in Asia. Um, Southeast Asia are experiencing it as well. So if you're out there, stay safe. I hope you guys are doing well. Appreciate you guys listening to the show and hopefully this will be able to get you through. So with all that said, guys, let's jump into it and listen to this week's episode with Ali Boone. Guys, I'm excited for today's Episode, we have on a great guest. Her name is Allie Boone. She has a very great sense of humor and a very cool <laughs> oh, story. No very, pressure. <laughs> yeah, a very cool story. And uh, I'll preface this first. We before we started, I said, uh, I asked her, I said, um, we we're talking about lifestyle, and she's just like, I don't want to work, I don't want to work at all. And My I much faster. I <laughs> I want as much passive income as possible. So uh, she's very cool. And I think you're gonna enjoy her story. Allie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So Allie, uh, could you give us a little bit of a more of a rundown of your, your prior background? How did you get into real estate?
1: Yeah, so my background is actually nothing real estate related. I was an aerospace engineer. Uh, I I was also a pilot, so I was totally aviation kind of industry. And my my, I mean, the bulk of my story is I was in school for aerospace engineering, and I finally got my first corporate job. And I walked into my cubicle, my brand new cubicle, for the first time, first big girl job. And before I even sat down, I was like, "Oh, I got to get out of here!" Like. I knew. I was like, oh no. (laughs) I was like, man, I just went through a lot of school to hate this. And it just wasn't like, I'm not a, I'm just not a corporate kind of person. I don't like waking up early. I don't like wearing business casual clothes. And I've just always been kind of more of my own person. So like taking instructions from anyone else has also not really been my thing. So for, it took me five years to figure out how to get out of corporate, but it was the famous, like, how can I become a corporate dropout? And so I kept my corporate job and I tried to figure it out. I was like, do I start a business? Do I do something in real estate? I knew those were kind of the two big things. And... I was going to like the weekend seminars, those $495 seminars, rich dad seminar. Like, I don't know what's going to get me out of here, but I want out of here. And so at one point, I decided I was going to like, I'm going to have to pick one path or the other because I'm researching too many things. So I picked business. And ironically, a couple of weeks later, in my email inbox, because I had subscribed to anything that would email me because I was so bored at work. And I got this real estate investing webinar advertisement. I was like, Oh, I might as well watch that. And long story short, I fell for that. I don't want to say fell for that opportunity. It was <laughs> I fell for it. Time. It totally flunked gotcha. out later. But <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, and I, so I, I pursued that investment and, but it was at the time a, f- a side thing. I was like, well, well, I still have a corporate job. I have a good paycheck. Might as well do something smart with my money. And, I might as well invest in real estate while I have a W2 and can get a mortgage and all that kind of stuff. And through that process, the people I met, the networking I accidentally did, one thing led to another where I was so excited. I then got into turnkeys, which, Oh, I just threw a hair tie out of my hand. Um, (laughs) I was fiddling with it and it just launched across the room. (laughs) Um, uh, in the midst of that, the investing didn't start with turnkeys, but we'll end up talking about turnkeys, but I found turnkey rental properties and I was so stinking excited about these things. I was telling everybody that would listen. They're like, wait, what you're buying rental prep. Like you don't have to fix it. Like, wait, what are you doing that you're not actually having to do any work? So I was telling everyone and all of a sudden, like my cousin ended up buying one. My mom's Where friend ended up buying one. Where you at this
0: point? Where California. Were you living- Okay. and where were I'm from Atlanta
1: originally, but I had yeah. already moved to California.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you were doing the properties, uh, when you first started telling everybody where were those properties that you were investing in? They
1: were out of state. Ironically, uh, they were in Atlanta at the time. That was just coincidence that I happened to be from there. And that was in 2011. So that mm-hmm. was like right at when the massive boom was about to happen. So that mm-hmm. was like the hot. you know, there was Memphis and Atlanta and Phoenix for a little while and that kind of era. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was all out-of-state properties. And prior to that, I had gone around Orange County, California with an agent looking for potential rental properties, having no idea what I was doing. And I was just like, you scratched your head. I was just thinking, I was scratching my head like the numbers just don't make sense. Like I'm going to pay $300,000 for a house that I'm going to rent for 1200 and I have to rehab the thing. And I was like, I don't know anything about real estate, but something about <laughs> that doesn't... I'm like numbers,
0: profit. Yeah. Like where is my profit coming from? And
1: I didn't know what to, I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. And so I had just seen those. And then I see these turnkeys where they're cash flowing. It's a hundred thousand dollar house. Actually at the time it was like $60,000 house. And it was so exciting because I wasn't doing any of the work and my mind was blown. I was like, now this is I don't like to work. (laughs) And -hmm. and honestly, that's what kept me out of real estate. Um, as long as it did is I didn't want to swing hammers or rehab or flip. I just didn't want to do any of that. Mm -hmm. And So at some point along the way, uh, the companies I was sending people to, they approached me and said, listen, if you are a licensed agent, we can pay you referral fees. And you know, I had basically become an agent for these things already. I was like, Oh, that'd be a fun side income to my Mm -hmm. aerospace corporate job. And that it ended up taking off huge. I became a writer for bigger pockets. And then I ended up leaving my corporate. I had no idea that a business. I, I was thinking business or real estate. I had no idea I would end up with a real estate business. Mm. Um, but that's what I've been doing for the last, um, seven years. I quit, I quit my corporate job seven years ago and mm. it's just, it's led me down all qu- sorts of crazy paths. I've loved it. I've hated it. Everything in between. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I am today. And just, I'm kind of exploring new things. The business is kind of up and running itself and, You know, and I actually, uh ironically, despite what I've always preached about rental properties, I actually am now landlording a house that we invested in here locally. So um I bought something (laughs) huge. You have no idea. It's (laughs) negative cash flow every month. I'm the landlord, I have to work. Like (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh, you know, this confirms everything I have ever said about real estate investing. Mm. Like I'd hate all of that. (laughs) Mm. And so but it's been a really good experience. It's a higher end property, so it's you know, I'm not slum lording, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of where I am today.
0: I love it. I want to back it up. So when you said, mm-hmm. you said earlier, you said you, you did some accidental networking. Can you speak to that when you're mm-hmm. first starting now you're going to these things and uh, you're going to these uh, seminars, what did you, what did mm-hmm. you accidental networking?
1: Well, that was more, it was specific to the particular investment opportunity that I had gotten that webinar for. Mm-hmm. I went to, well, so, the story is going to get crazier. That was. <laughs> That's see, why you on the I, show. <laughs> I, I conveniently left that part out of what that investment was. Uh, it was for a pre construction beach bungalow in Nicaragua. Yes, huh. the third world country. And I was like, oh, I, if anything it sounds ridiculously crazy and it's going to make people itch a little, I'm probably going to do it. And I was like, well, obviously, I should per- pursue a beach bungalow in a third world country. Hello. <laughs> and. It was actually part of a big development. Like Wyndham Hotels was involved. Jack Nicklaus golf course design was involved. This whole thing mm-hmm. was like a pretty legit deal. Yeah. And um, for a hundred thousand dollars, I could get a beach bungalow in Nicaragua, whereas I could I just get a trashed house in Orange County for three hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So it all seemed to kind of work out. But so I started going to Nicaragua a lot to like check all this stuff out. And what was really cool, and what I learned pretty quickly about real estate investing, and this has held true my whole career of it is there's something about real estate investors as a whole. I mean, there's weird people in every group, but real estate investors as a whole is a really cool combo of fairly intelligent people but also with a little bit of adventure because I mean you know as much as I do real estate's not for the faint of heart like Mm -hmm. it can be a roller coaster it can be risky it can be scary it can be all this kind of stuff so people who get involved in this especially going investing in third world countries (laughs) there's like an adventurous side to people so all of a sudden I was around these people that I was like these are kind of my people like I was used to tribe No offense, the nerdy engineers—I can say that because I used to be one. But you know, like it was a—it was a different group of people. Everyone was a little bit older, professional, but fun. And I was like, okay. And so. With that, I kind of found my people in real estate, but also I was so excited about the Nicaragua deal too, is when I would start talking to people about it and the same with turnkeys, where I'd be so excited about the deal, I was almost networking without even thinking about it because I was just like elated. I was like, oh man, I found this thing and it's really cool. I'm like, ah, and people were latching onto that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I would say as far as networking in real estate investing, like those seminars I went to my mom taught me the phrase of fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And I always say like, that's not to say sound like a raging idiot, but if you yeah. can sound fairly intelligent, I remember one time I was at a conference in Vegas and I was trying to figure out a partnership structure for something. And this guy specialized in partnership structure. So I sounded smart enough. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to put together this deal, which was never actually a thing. Um, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure this out. And it, you know, it.
0: by the way, I'm not working. Was, I'm not working. I, I'm not working. Was, I'm not working like, on this thing. I, Just I'm not know.
1: working on this deal. <laughs> um, i'm working on this deal so I don't have to work what yeah. you got for me um <laughs> But you know networking like I am very much of a stance in life and in real estate and Whatever you never know who the one person is going to be to change your life Like mm-hmm. when I started pursuing the nicaragua st- thing um Everything I have today is because of one guy because I met him just randomly and I was looking at him and I was like what? what's going on here like you're on your own schedule you are not in a suit you're in flip flops you just got back from traveling to another country it's tuesday i was like how, how are you doing this <laughs> and i was yeah. like i want to take advice from you and yeah. like you know as traveling the world like and he's a big world traveler too and i was like i want that ability like what do i need to know yeah and so the networking is it I always have it in my head. You never know who the one person is going to be that changes your whole life. But it also at the same time is I, with my networking and just conferences and stuff in general, is like I pick and pull from everybody that I meet. Like, mm. you know, I'm not going to replicate one person's process. It's going to be a mixture. It's going to be my own creation from what I learned. So mm-hmm. I always go into networking, all that stuff, completely open-minded. I'm probably not ever going to talk to 80 or 90% of the people again, but I don't know that I'm not going to meet that one person that just changes the game for everything. So mm. staying open-minded would be my thing about networking.
0: Yeah. And I think it's very cool is like you see somebody and you're trying, you actually saw somebody, right. And then you're mm-hmm. basically in a sense replicating a portion of their success. And I think a yeah. lot of times people will not do that, right. They'll just sign yeah. up for something and be like, okay, like it works for, it looks work for Susan. Mm. Uh, it's going to work for me. They don't do their own yeah. research. They don't know the person. They don't feel they don't feel a, a connection, right? And yeah. I think a lot of good things with relation or I'm sorry, with networking is the relationships. Yeah. If you meet somebody, you have a good relationship. You 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 you're trying to set up your structure. He yep. wants to help you. Now you're kind of starting a relationship and it's going back and forth. And like, hey, now mm-hmm. I think we could be possibly good business partners. So I think yeah. it's always important, like what you're saying is to be open to that communication. And if you're never open, then mm-hmm you know, you would never really be a successful network or you'd never be yeah. in, in your business slash real estate, real estate business. And day yeah, day. do you still yeah, have and that? I'll
1: say and I'll, I'll throw a little, um, not caveat, but like, a will tack something onto that. Just be, if you, if there's any new investors or people kind of exploring real estate, the kind of flip side to that is, don't listen to what everybody tells you because mm-hmm. you'll be spinning for a while. And so like when I met that guy, my policy, my favorite quote in life that I use all the time is don't take advice from someone you would and trade shoes with. Mm. So like, if there's a stockbroker working a hundred hours a week in a suit and he's trying to give me financial advice, like, I don't want to trade shoes with him. Like, okay, maybe it's not to say the advice isn't legit, but like this guy in the flip flops who had just traveled the world, didn't have a briefcase with him. And he was like, what's up? And I'm like, I need to know what you're doing. Mm. And so like, you know, in real estate investing, there's so many different strategies and None of us learned this in school. So it's self taught. And it's like, well, now with the internet and, you know, bunches of websites and whatever, like, there's a lot of people talking. So Mm -hmm. being open to everything, but at the same time, in that networking, really look for the people who are living the kind of life that you're trying to live because all the different real estate strategies accomplish something different. Mm. Like, completely. I can, I can. God, there's probably a list as tall as I am of people who have criticized me for doing turnkeys. Well, mm-hmm. they're also working their asses off, flipping houses constantly. And so sw- I'm like, but I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. And so like, you know, as you're kind of navigating real estate world, be open but then also put your filters on of like, listen to what everyone's going to say, meet everybody, whatever, but then really keep an eye out for the people and the things and the advice that are actually in line with what you're trying to achieve. And, you know, if someone's trying to coach you on lifestyle design and they're working nine to five and they don't like their job, you Mm -hmm. know, maybe find someone who's actually living lifestyle, you know, like just be careful who you take advice from, but be open to everybody, but then filter. And that takes a little bit of, confidence you know mm. like it, especially when it comes to family and friends like they're Good. all gonna want to give you advice but like if they if you want to trade shoes with them
0: yeah you know, i mean take it I'm, I'm, so glad, I'm so glad i had you on Yeah, this is uh it's very crucial for people to hear this you know if you're thinking mm-hmm. about starting to get into real, va- real estate investing a lot of people that have been listening to the show they have 5 10 units and my whole thing is i want people to get to 100 units and i want them right. to Location independent and not feel as though they have to be stuck in Sacramento or stuck in landlocked. Um, And you know, like for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of didn't know, but you kind of muddled through, and then now you have this like profitable business, and you're happy, and it's Mm -hmm. like the lifestyle. And like you just knew deep down, I don't want to work in a cubicle. This is not for me. I have an itch for business, possible real estate. Go. Yeah. And so many people overanalyze and they'll go to guru after guru after guru after guru. Yeah. And you know what you're saying is like, you know, soak it all in and develop mm-hmm. your own strategy. And for myself, yeah. like, you know, they're like, oh, starting a podcast and get your tribe and do this and do that. And you're I'm like, uh-huh. okay, like how do I stand out, be different? And I'm like, guys, if you're listening to this, like I'm still figuring out. But I'm not yeah. trying to say I want you to be location independent, right? Yeah. I want you to get to a hundred units. I'm not sitting here like you saw my introduction. I'm not mm-hmm. I don't have the church bells ringing. like welcome to <laughs> welcome to multifamily. So,
1: so I haven't hung up on you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> welcome to multi-family podcasting with your host, Matthew. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's serious, it's true. Like, you uh, know, so if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this and you think like I, I don't know. No. Nope. I'm telling you now, like Ali probably didn't know. I didn't know. Like I got mm-hmm. my start. I created a, oh, a digital meetup on uh, bigger pockets mm-hmm. and I, and I started having a digital meetup with people back in the United States and I wanted to get into multifamily and I did single families back in the United States back in 2008 and whatnot. But who gets a, Who goes halfway around the world, moves to Thailand to start investing in multifamily and getting a job in thailand for back in america like that doesn't yep. make sense yep. And like steve jobs says you can't connect the dots looking forward you can only connect the dots looking back
1: yep so,
0: yeah i love it i'm glad that you're here um can yeah you, can you speak a little bit more on about the the, the turnkey model for people that mm-hmm. are unfamiliar with it
1: yeah so the turnkey model um it's been around forever but it got really popular in the last crash the 2008 type of time um so When I, so the word turnkey itself actually refers to the condition of a property. So you could buy a turnkey property next door to you. Turnkey means the phrase came from like, you just have to stick the key in the door and turn it and you're making money. And so like a turnkey house would already be rehabbed. Um, In most cases, it would already have tenants. Some people advertise turnkey properties without tenants. And in the cases of the ones I work with, there's also property management on standby to manage the property once you buy it. So you as the investor, you're just sticking the key in the door, which I've actually never even owned keys to my turnkey. So it's kind of an invalid term. But the idea being that you're making cash flow on day one when you purchase it. So when I talk about turnkeys, I'm talking about turnkeys sold specifically from turnkey providers. So during the crash, a bunch of companies, they were like, you know, now you have this whole big pile of distressed inventory. So these companies, I mean, they're essentially glorified flippers, right? Mm-hmm. So they go in and they buy all these distressed properties and bulk they rehab them in bulk, they put tenants in them, they have property management on standby, and you as the investor, just buy the property from them. And I mean, your only job at that point really is due diligence, which you should absolutely do. Um, But that's, so when I talk about turnkeys and what I've invested in, I'm talking specifically about turnkey properties sold from these companies. And so during 2008 to like 2000 uh, sorry, 2008, like 2009 to 2012, 13. And there were tons of turnkey providers because it was a very profitable business model. And so everyone and their moms became a turnkey provider, which kind of put a different twist on how much due diligence you really need to do. But now all the turnkey companies that i not all of them, but, um, the ones who are still around, um, are still doing it. And their systems are pretty nice. Um, as far like, you know, nothing's on sale right now. We're in 2019 and yeah. just properties aren't on sale. So you're not going to get the deals like you would have, like I did in 2011, but you are still getting cash flowing rental properties. So you buy a hundred thousand dollar house. And for someone who lives in California and a lot of turnkey buyers live in California where you can't even buy a bathroom here for 000, yeah. a hundred thousand dollars, but a parking space. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was about to say space maybe. Yeah, I was space. like, not, I would love parking to buy space. a parking lot here. That'd be <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah. hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> space. Um, and it's shared probably. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can buy a whole $100,000 house in a decent suburban area. Um, you know, they're not a great houses, but they're decent. They're not bad areas at all. And it's cash flowing. So mm-hmm. you, you do your due diligence, you verify everything is that you're getting is as advertised and you're making cash flow on day one because there's already tenants and property managers. So that's the turnkey model. Um, the advantage is obviously, um, you're not doing the bulk of the work at all. Mm -hmm. Like, I strongly emphasize you've got to still do due diligence. A lot of people, turn, and I'm one of them, we used to call turnkey rental properties hands-off rental properties. Well, some people took that way too seriously and were just like, I mean, whatever. Like, they just... Uh. I was like, no, you still need your brain attached to your shoulders, but um, do the due diligence, but you're not rehabbing. You're not having to do intensive market analysis. You're not having to figure out intensive neighborhood analysis. Like all these experts. What would the due diligence be? What
0: would the due diligence be for people that are listening to this when you say due diligence?
1: So the main thing, the, Biggest thing is the property inspection. That's Mm. where you're going to find out if the quality of the property that you're getting is exactly turnkey. Because what you don't want to, the whole idea of turnkey is like, there should be no major um, thing like roof, plumbing, electrical, whatever, that's going to go out soon. It should either be new or scheduled to last another 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so, because you just aren't supposed to do that. So you're going to confirm all of that with the property inspection. I used to work with property inspectors. I'd be like, Hey, can you give me an idea of the neighborhood too? Because a lot of them, I bought sight unseen. Most turnkey buyers I know buy these things sight unseen. But I would ask them like, hey, how's, how, what's your take on the neighborhood? So if you get that kind of relationship with an inspector, mm-hmm. they can kind of give you extra information. Um, after that, the big thing is verifying the numbers. Like um, you'll get, and if you're doing financing, you'll get an appraisal so you can see there's a huge misconception that you're going to pay over market value for turnkeys. That's not accurate. You should not pay more than market value. What people are talking about when they say turnkeys are priced at a premium price is you're not getting it at the severely discounted value. Like you're going to pay around market value for one of these properties, which makes sense, but Mm -hmm. not supposed to pay over it, but you're going to get an appraisal to verify that you want to verify the rents are Um, either they're already getting them or they're actually reasonable. I usually just kind of sneak in a call to a third-party property manager and be like, hey, I'm thinking about putting this property with you guys, which I'm not, fake it till you make it. Mm. Um, You know, what would you think, you know, what's the rentability in that area? What what would you think for numbers? You can get um, CMAs, comparative market analysis. Um, And then you want to verify things like property taxes, the insurance, get the quote. Just make sure that all the numbers that come to you in the pro forma are actually, and they usually are, pretty close. Mm. Um, But just verify all the numbers. That's a big one. That used to really screw people up in the early days of turnkeys because a turnkey company would snow some tenant into overpaying. And then when that tenant got evicted, then the new turnkey owner couldn't get that rent again, and it completely botched up their cash flow. So Mm. that was a bigger thing back in the day when there were sketchier people in the business. Now the sketchy ones have kind of fallen out for the most part. Um, but yeah, verifying the numbers, the property inspection. Um, I, most people buy them on scene. I highly recommend you go check it out at least if it's your first time buying one, cause you can meet the turnkey company. You can see the neighborhoods they're investing. You can see the rehabs up close, you know, a property inspection report's going to tell you enough, but to see it with your own eyes is it, it sounds really dumb and kind of like not really non-intensive but it's like you can (laughs) tell a lot when you see something with your own eyes (laughs) i'm like i and plus at that point you're not taking my word for it or anyone else's word you know because Mm. this is your investment and you shouldn't be taking anyone's word for anything and then last like property management like make sure you like the sound of the company um if you buy the property and you end up not liking their property management fire them and get a new one. Like turnkey is only a method of buying a property, not owning it. Once you buy it, you own a rental property like anything else. And you're the boss. That's what people tend to forget too. Is like, you are the boss. If there's a problem, Hmm. fix it. So those are the main items.
0: Have you, have you, have you ever run into issues? Um, You know, like when, like everybody says like multifamily, you know, economies of scale when it comes Mm -hmm. to property managers. And if you have a a hundred thousand dollar house per se, and let's say you're netting, I don't know, somewhere 500, $600, $700 maybe uh, per rent. Yeah. do the managers that are running that property, are they lackluster because it's... Maybe you only have one in the portfolio or one in that area. Can you speak Property up?
1: managers are usually lackluster because they usually suck. <laughs> 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 Period.
0: You suck because you don't want to work. And guess what? I don't want to work you know, either. It's so like, you these fools
1: care. won't work. What yeah. the hell? Yeah. Um, no. Uh, to what you're asking, not necessarily the property managers that come with the turnkey companies. Mm-hmm. They... You know the one advantage about turnkeys that people don't really realize is if you think about the difference in buying a ketchup bottle at the grocery store versus ketchup bottles at Costco, it's you get cheaper because you're buying in bulk, right? Mm-hmm. So as an individual investor, it's oftentimes harder for us to get better deals or like the property management um, because we're one person and one property or five properties at most or something. Mm-hmm. But the turnkey model, because they work in bulk and depending on how, because everything's bulk anyways, it's almost like you're part of a bigger buying powder, powder power. Um, so even if you're one person and one investor, you're still in the same kind of grouping. So I haven't actually seen that be a problem. And no, I don't have any of the original property managers on my properties. I've switched them all out couple times mm. actually. And so far I haven't had a problem with anyone if I, you know, like when I only had one property and I have multiple property managers. So like one property manager actually only has one of my houses and it's never been a thing at all. I, yeah, property managers, there's so many other problems mm. <laughs> like, you know, and it's property management just for anyone who's not aware of why property management can suck so bad. Is if you think about it, they're making 10 percent of your monthly rent, so let's say the rent's a thousand dollars, they're making a hundred dollars a month from you. That's not a lot of profit margin. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always attract the best people. There are some phenomenal property managers who have figured out how to scale their business yeah. to you know they can make a lot of money doing it, but there's just a lot of room with property managers to just I mean, that's the most frustrating part of the equation, in my opinion, is managing the managers because, Mm. you know, they, it's like, nah, like if they completely screw you, they lose a hundred dollars a month. Gee, (laughs) you know? So that's why I say they have a whole other slew of problems, but yeah, I haven't seen anything with the bulk issue.
0: And as far as the turnkey model is concerned, when you, after an investor, You know, let's say they've done their due diligence. They've seen the property. They feel good. They buy it. You know, they're not working. They're not the landlord. Right. (laughs) And they have, they have, they have the tenants in there. And then when they, let's say that the tenant decides to move, is Mm -hmm. it basically up to the property manager to replace them? Yeah,
1: uh it's definitely the property manager's job. Uh I usually tell my managers like I want to be the final approval. I've had lots of property managers just approve somebody on their own. Mm-hmm. And for the most part when I've had good managers, it's not been a problem because they know what they're doing. I've had a couple bad managers or managers turned bad, um, Mm -hmm. who approved people that I may not have approved or something. Um, but so I usually ask for the final approval, but yeah, that's ultimately their job. And usually they'll charge you, um, either half a month's rent or a month's rent for that finder's fee. So they're motivated, but you know, it's a conversation to have with the managers of like, You don't want the first tenant who applies. Like you really want someone like a property management company to find the right tenant, even if that takes a month or two longer. Like ultimately, in the long run, that's going to be worth it. So that's the conversation worth having with the managers. Like, hey, what's your criteria? What are you looking for? Like, I want to be the final say, but other than that, yeah, it's totally on them. Mm. Which is great.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are, what would you say are the, what's the, what's the risk? What are the, what's the downside? What are the cons here of, uh, of the turnkeys? Yeah.
1: Um, two. So the major downside of the model, uh, by far, cause people are like, wait, that sounds too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Hands down the biggest downside, and it's not so much a risk, but a downside is if you think of the traditional way of buying a rental property, you buy a distressed property for, let's say $60,000. You rehab the property for 40,000. So you're a hundred thousand in, but because you've just forced that appreciation, now it's worth 120 to $150,000. It's that where uh, traditional investors really get hyped up for obvious reasons. That's like Mm. free 50 grand in your pocket. It's the value add model. And so you don't get that with turnkeys because you are going to pay roughly market value for a turnkey. So number one, you're not going to have ability to force appreciation because you're already at market. But even if you, there's nothing left to improve either. So you don't have that forced appreciation, which is real. And they cost more. But if you think about it, it makes sense. Like you're, Someone else has already done all the work. So I could get into a whole philosophical discussion of, does it really cost more? But you know, you're going to pay more for the property, but it's really that lack of forced appreciation. That's a major downside of the whole model. And that's what throws a lot of people off or turns them off um the biggest risk um it's the biggest risk i think is not all that obvious um general risk it's just like any other rental property so every risk that applies to a rental property is going to be the same with a turnkey Mm -hmm. the big risk that i don't think people realize and is unique to turnkeys as i kind of alluded to it earlier is people just check out they're like oh buying a hands hands free hands off Hands mm-hmm. off, hands free. I was thinking of like phone on a car. <laughs> yeah. Hello, hello. I'd like to check out my turnkey, please. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh wait, hands free. Um, so they, it, there's a perception of them being hands off rental properties, which in theory they absolutely should be. But guess what? There's humans in the equation, and anytime mm-hmm. there's humans in the equation for anything in life, in my opinion there's room for things to not go right. And humans aren't perfect. So yes, it should be hands off and it should be go perfectly fine. And it does for some people, but again, it's not an excuse to, I've seen the biggest problems come from people not being willing to like step in and take ownership of the process. If your property manager is absolutely sucking, fire him. I've heard, we always follow, like when I work with turnkey buyers, We'll follow up in like six months and a year, like, you know, how's your property going? And I've had I've had a significant number of people say, Oh, well, you know, my cash flow hasn't been what I expected because we had this big repair issue happen. I was like, What big repair issue? And like one time it was a was it a dishwasher that exploded or something and it drowned the floor and whatever. So this investor spent seven thousand dollars on a fix and I said, Did you call your insurance company? Like that's hands down an insurance claim. And she was mm. like Oh, I didn't really think about that. And I was like, Oh God, for $7,000, are you kidding me? Like, and so, you know, in theory, you have someone doing the rehab for you. They're putting the tenants in for you. They're doing everything for you. And then you have property management that should be doing everything for you. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that you're not going to get the $7,000 bill for replacing all your flooring and the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. That's up to you, dude. Like you've got to call the insurance company. So it's this whole. I mean, I think that's the biggest specific risk to turnkeys is the misperception that you can be completely checked out and not mm-hmm. worry about anything or do anything or step in if you need to. And that literally has been what I've seen cause the most problems. But other than that, it's just normal rental property risk.
0: Okay, very cool. Yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it. Lots, lots, of, uh, lots of knowledge about the turnkey model. Very cool. Well, I want to close it out with the three closing questions. First mm-hmm. question is, if you can live abroad for anywhere for one year, where would you live and why?
1: I can give you a hint. I already talked about it. I love Nicaragua. Yeah. Um, apparently there's some drama down there now. It was safer when I was tootling around down there, but I love third world countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm definitely a central, I haven't explored all of central and South America yet, but I, mm-hmm. as of now it'd be Nicaragua, but not to say another third world country in one of those, uh, areas wouldn't be it. I love it because, um, I, I mean, you're in Thailand. You, I don't, yeah. you might relate to this too, but like, I love going somewhere where money is not really a thing. Like when I go to Europe or whatever, it's like, I'm oh, back in the States, same problems. But to me in the countries with no money, like third world, like there's a whole different level of heart and soul in it. Yeah. Like there's family values. There's, I don't know. It's just something very different. So it would for sure be a third world country.
0: I was going to ask you, do you still have that property in Nicaragua?
1: That property never happened. Uh, oh. The whole development went completely bunk and belly up. Um, I at first I was like, should I judge myself? <laughs> like, <laughs> was this was this a really dumb move? But there were big time investors with like millions of dollars of their own money in it. Like I said, Wyndham and Jack Nicholas were in on it. Like it was not a you know just kind of scam sham type of thing. Mm. Um, but it was the famous story, and this is for anyone dealing with anything pre-construction developers, it's the famous developer disappears with the money kind of story. Mm. Although in this case, the developer didn't disappear, but all the money disappeared. Mm. Um, he actually got booted out of the country. It was great. Um, Mm. and he still thinks he's going to build it. We're like, okay. Um, yeah, it was my, my very first intentional investment and it I lost about 40,000 of my own cash in it. And a lot of people were like, and you're still in real estate. And I was like, dude, that $40,000 I lost got me everything I have right now. And that's another thing with real estate is like, things are going to happen at some point. And I even told myself, I was like, you know what, if 40,000 is the most I ever lose, I'm killing it. Like, you know, you'll always hear of like the big guys, they've lost millions. And so I took it as a learning experience. And again, that's where my networking happened. That's the only reason I have my company today. And I got a hell of a lot of trips to Nicaragua out of that. And (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, so I've gotten well, I've gotten well worth a $40,000 out yeah. of it, but yeah, yeah, it never, apparently there's a settlement agreement in place, but I haven't seen any of it yet. So you're gonna be if I get my people, 40 grand back, I'll be stuck. Yeah,
0: you're going to be one of those people that's like, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to get the... That's, this will be like, uh, the lawsuits, right? They're like so-and-so verse mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, yeah. okay, you're going to click the button and then they're going to be like, uh-huh. Oh, you get back $851. You're like, for what? It's going to be like 2030.
1: Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I was, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I wasn't I'll take the
0: yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Second question. What is the pain point or weakness you face right now in your business?
1: the biggest thing for my business, because I work with turnkey buyers and this is kind of for real estate investors in general is nothing's on sale right now. I mean, all the, most of the markets are pretty peaked. I mean, I don't know if we're at peak, but everything's expensive. Um, if we were to have a crash tomorrow, I better like strap in cause it's about to get busy. Like everyone wants to buy when things are on sale. And so now, you know, if you're buying a property, you know, how much appreciation are you going to expect? Like, and it's not, you know, turnkeys, we just said, there's, there can be appreciation, but like, is the property value going to tank tomorrow? We don't, we don't know. So that's, that's the pain point of right now is just there. It's a little bit of a, I won't say stagnant. There's still lots of things going on, but again, nothing's on sale, which kind of sucks for real estate investors.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Third question is Mm -hmm. what is your favorite book to regift?
1: I mean, okay, so I'm going to cheat and give you two because I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this has already gotten rich dad poor dad.
0: Yeah, so, I, can't I mean say that's that one. like,
1: yeah, that's I was like, but that's if someone for some reason hasn't read that for yeah. sure. That that's the first one. Um, the one that I really like is actually a business book, but mm-hmm. I think the principles apply. Um, I mean, that they for sure applied to me, but with like lifestyle design, passive income, but in structuring your real estate stuff is the E-Myth revisited by Michael Gerber. Um, I don't know if you've read it, but he he talks about the difference, you know, like Robert Kiyosaki talks about yeah. working in a business versus working on a business. Mm. And so the emyth is this very simple small book. I've read through it probably two or three times um, to explain a little bit further about how to work on your business versus in your business. and that mm. goes for my type of real estate investing because real estate investing is a business. And so I run my business like I, I want it passive. I don't want to be swinging hammers. so, um and it's it's kind of good life stuff. So the EMF revisited Michael Gerber for sure. sure. It's like a business bible of mine.
0: Very cool. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Yeah. And what's the best way to get a hold of you?
1: I actually set up a link just for you guys um, if you go to, so my company's name is Hipster Investments. I am in no way a hipster just for the record. Hippie maybe but not a hipster. Um, but if you go to hipsterinvestments.com slash journeys, um, uh, I'm offering you guys a free copy of my turnkey rental properties 101 ebook uh, it usually sells on the site and on Amazon but you guys can get it free so go there and um, put in your information. You get that for free but in that, you can get links to my social. You can email me. So all of my information is there. So hipsterinvestments.com slash real estate journeys.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Well, Ali, it's mm-hmm. been a pleasure. Catch you on the next go around, my friend. Thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I hope you guys got some tremendous value there from it. But if you guys are looking to take your real estate career to the next level and looking to partner with us on your next real estate deal, please head on over to www.matthewbaltsell.com and sign up for the newsletter and you'll get our latest deal flows and our up-to-date real estate investing information, tidbits, and tips there for you. All right, guys. Catch you on the next go-around. Peace.